The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, and Arlen Suderman's joining us with FC Stone. It is a Wednesday. Lower markets on the grain side of it. Dow was also lower, which makes for an interesting uh, midweek trade, Arlen. Oh, it certainly does, and fear was definitely up. Uh, Wall Street has what they call the VIX index, or the fear index, and it's based off of uh, put option premiums on S&P futures prices um, contracts, but uh, it was trading at its highest level since April of this year, so a big surge up uh, about more than 25% at times in the market. Now, what news event could create that fear to spike. Well, uh, uh, President Roosevelt once said, Franklin Roosevelt once said, and was later quoted by uh, John F. Kennedy, uh, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And that becomes self-perpetuating on Wall Street at times. Uh, When we saw the bond yields start to rise as the bonds are starting late last week, continuing in this week, uh, yield treasuries rising. Suddenly, Wall Street became fearful of inflation pressures and uh, those higher interest rates. And so then suddenly the fear became, oh, no, it's going to slow down the economy. Now, we've had strong economies before with interest rates that were higher than this. We've been through this cycle again uh, before. Um, When it becomes a problem is when you have other real structural issues with the economy. And, oh, there are some concerns, but not really structural issues like you would expect. But just the the fear perpetuating itself builds momentum and then people see the sell off and they think oh no maybe it is bad so they join in and it starts to feed on itself and that's what we're seeing happen today and that spills over then into the commodity sector as well and so while we probably wouldn't have been going anywhere positive with the commodities today, uh, it, in essence, amplified the losses by seeing the sell-off and, and kind of the move to safety, so to speak, in the markets because of this uh, higher fear or anxiety. Well, and I think that anxiety just continues to grow as the rain has uh, dropped and we've seen snow hitting many areas. Producers just want to get in the field and get this crop taken care of. Uh, absolutely. And I know here in the Kansas City area, we've had 12, 13 inches of rain, uh, not as much further west. And, uh, but when you look at the uh, corn belt overall, 55% of the corn belt saw more than two inches of rain, mostly since Friday night. Uh, if you look at the soybean area, since soybean belt is, is broader than what corn is, it was only 40%. But the areas that got hit by the rain, were largely areas that were lagging behind in harvest. And so that means there's a lot of crops in the field. Typically, our big concern with soybeans when they stay wet that long is then when it warms up and dries out, those pods start popping. And uh, you see the beans spilled out on the ground. The other concern would be sprouting. And and even though it hasn't warmed up yet and dried out, we're seeing some reports of the pods popping. So that's the key is how much will this 
become an issue. And we've even seen some soybeans sprouting in the pod. Uh, once again, how widespread is it? We'll learn a lot here in the days ahead. Um, but for right now, the market's more concerned about tomorrow's crop reports and what USDA may do to raise the size of the crops. Wondering on that report, what are some of your guys' early thoughts into those numbers before they're released? Well, the trade overall, and the market tends to react to the differences in the actual numbers versus trade guess. Trade's expecting about a half bushel increase in the corn and soybean yield from the September report. We're looking for a little bit larger increase. We're looking for a 182.7 for corn and a uh, 54 bushel yield for soybeans. But generally, the expectation is that the crop gets bigger, and it'd be supportive if they actually got smaller. And, of course, those numbers aren't reflecting any of the recent rain and harvest delays that we're seeing and and the concerns, like you mentioned, of the soybeans popping. That's very important to point out. This is as of October 1, and that's when we did our survey as well. Um, But the numbers tomorrow will be as of October 1 and do not reflect the weather we've had here in recent days. We had the announcement, and it was all confirmed by the president yesterday in regards to E-50. Tighter ethanol margins. How much of this news from the announcement of the president played into today's trade? really hasn't played into the market at all. It is positive. It is positive long term. It's a move in the right direction. But it doesn't do anything to increase the demand for corn next week. This is going to take time to evolve and see the benefits play out. It's a move in the right direction, as I said, but it's not an immediate benefit to the market. Early plantings in South America continue. They've also had some recent weather issues to have to deal with. Oh, they have, and uh, they're progressing now with planting of the 2019 corn and soybean crops. Uh, there have been some dry pockets moving in the right direction. We've had some cold weather in the wheat in Argentina. That's probably done a little bit of damage, but it's too soon to know how much. Um, but overall, things are moving forward. What are your thoughts on the wheat? Uh, winter wheat has had the, the much-needed moisture, maybe some areas too much, but it's nice to get them heading into the cold time with, with some wet beds. Well, rain is better than no rain, but you're right. We've had excessive moisture. That's been a real problem in some areas. A lot of flooding out. It's going to be slow to dry. And what we're hearing now from a lot of farmers in the Central Plains is they may actually reduce their wheat acres, what isn't planted, uh, particularly if the moisture is there. Hang on to that moisture and put in a row crop in the spring. Global demand for wheat still there? Uh, it's there, but right now the Black Sea is really setting the price for wheat, and that's what keeps the pressure on us. We're expecting those supplies to start to run out probably December or January. Lots to think about. Stick around, folks. We do have more of the Fontenelle final bell coming up on this Wednesday afternoon. We'll dive into the livestock side as well as whatever else is on the mind of Arlen Suderman, who's joining us today. It's the Fontenelle final bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Arlen Suderman joins us with FC Stone. We kind of flip the page, Arlen, take a look at the happenings of the livestock side. We'll start with the cattle. They've had some firm losses. We saw some things happening earlier this morning, kind of set the tone for the overall market for them. 
We did. And uh, when we look at this environment we're coming into, the market are pretty well priced in uh, $111 uh, cattle. And that's what we basically traded in the Southern Plains the last four weeks, which is unheard of to have that kind of uh, constancy going forward. And so we're looking at this week. And uh, one of the things we had mentioned, as you indicated uh, last night, was about 60 uh, 60 lots. And um, that suggests that feeders out there are worried about being able to hold on to that 111 cash this week. So that's pressuring the market. Keep in mind all of this taking place in an, in this broader risk-off um, sentiment that we're seeing in the markets. And so that kind of amplifying losses. So overall, not too concerned about what we saw on the, on the board. I thought the losses were seen in, in light of that environment. Well, we had heard some concerns, too, of these guys keeping the cattle on feed. They're cold, they're wet, not something they're really used to yet without that buildup to the cooler weather. And not the type of environment that's fun to take care of livestock when you get this amount of rain and in, in the mud. Uh, certainly we saw, you know, as I said, the heaviest rains were kind of in northwest Missouri and the Kansas City area, but in the major feedlot areas, most of them saw the two inches of rain or thereabouts. So that's, that's far too much water to handle in those lots. And with the cool weather and that combination, uh, tends to delay gain and hurt rate again. And it does slow down the animals going the market providing a little bit of support but it certainly does hurt the rate of gain as well and is this bearish spin that we've seen on the feeder cattle going to stick around in the near term well we have broken down the charts a little bit and uh, there's uh, when we looked at some of the export data out yesterday we're now up year to date six percent versus last year's pace and that's pretty much in line with what USDA is forecasting we are seeing declining numbers of cattle um, but near term we seem to have enough to meet that demand uh, we'll just need to see those numbers fall down a little bit more to kind of jack up this price once again what are your thoughts Arlen on how these hogs have been trading. I mean, we saw some early support in the lean hog futures. Yeah, the hog market is somewhat range-bound right now, but also looks Hoppy. Uh, the cash price has been pushing the board higher, but now suddenly that cash price is losing some of its upward momentum and starting to top out. So we saw a little bit of profit taken. There was a lot of fund money in there, and some of that now taking a little profits as the cash starts to flatten out. What are some other things in the livestock market that we need to keep an eye on? Can't harvest, so where should we be sitting? Well, man structure this market is one thing to be concerned about, and uh, uh, particularly on the pork side, um, the data that came out yesterday showing that we're not seeing maybe the increase in export demand that we need to be seeing uh, in order to handle these big increased supply of hogs, which we're going to have here in the weeks ahead. So we need to do that, and the strength of the dollar is a real concern. We need to keep that dollar from getting too strong because the meat complex is very sensitive to a strong dollar with the competition we have in other parts of the world. So we go longer term, watching how this African swine fever plays out in China. China's try, kind of given a double message. On the one hand, they're saying we have it under control. They're starting to allow the transport of hogs to go happen in some areas so they can reach slaughter plants. But then we're still having new breakouts being reported. And I think what China's doing is kind of maybe relaxing the standards a little bit 
to try to control food inflation, to allow the pork to move to the slaughter plant so that the, the general public is happy and gets the meat they want at an affordable price. And in the process, they may be allowing the spread of the disease to be a longer-term problem. And if that's the case, we're still to see some significant imports into China of pork and poultry and maybe even beef as we get into 2019. Hadn't mentioned it is we kind of it's going to affect both the grain and the livestock side of it. Hurricane Michael as it's made landfall, it's going to be moving through some big livestock states. It is, and that's not fun at all for the livestock. And the livestock producers were able to do an outstanding job of minimizing losses of Hurricane Florence, but they didn't get quite the warning here. This storm strengthened much stronger than expected, much faster than expected, and so didn't get as much time to move livestock, and that's a real concern. Uh, cotton, we expect significant losses of cotton and maybe soybeans as well. Uh, 25% of the cotton... U.S. cotton crop is right in the path of the storm, um, so it's a bigger issue in the cotton market than it is in soybeans. There's going to be some significant yield losses and quality losses. What is the best way for, for our producers to get a hold of you, Arlen? INTLFCstone.com or over at twitter.com slash ArlenFF101. I'll check out some of the pictures that he's retweeted of the soybeans that he talked about earlier in this segment. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.